Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Auburn. Uh, later on, we'll be joined by the head coach of Portland Timbers, Giovanni Savarisi, as Minnesota United, of course, this weekend travel to Portland Timbers. First and foremost, OK, before we get to that and the possibilities of that particular game, let's go back a few days, shall we? We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Um Minnesota United now coming off the back of two 3-0 losses. Already, I can start to sense some panic across the fan base. Um, Not necessarily sure that's the case internally, but I wonder do fans have a right to perhaps start to panic a little bit after that, particularly given how tight the Western Conference is and how close we are to the postseason. I think that's exactly the reason fans should panic. And it's not necessarily the way Minnesota United played or the way they lost the games. Um, Yeah, you don't want to have two, three, no back-to-back losses. The one on the road at Salt Lake, I think, was disappointing in the sense that, you know, you rotated the squad and your hopes were that you could get something from it, even though, you know, it's a difficult place to play. But the one at home to Dallas is more disappointing in the sense that you had your main guys back in the lineup. I know uh, Reynoso left the game with an injury, but... Even prior to that, it just felt like they weren't going to be able to capitalize on and execute on some of those moments. But for me, it's more about the Western Conference and how tight it is and how you really can't afford any sort of a letdown, any sort of a slip up, any sort of a a slack in performance at this point in the season. And you have ebbs and flows to a season, and we know that. We know that seasons go up and down, um, teams go on streaks. This is not the moment where you want to go on one of those downs and you want to go on one of those streaks that's going in the wrong direction because this is truly the business end of the season. And there's nobody that's going to, it's going to be a take no prisoners attitude. Every team that you play, whether you're at home or on the road, nobody cares how many injuries you have. Nobody cares who's healthy or not. Nobody cares who's suspended um, due to yellow card accumulation because everybody's roster has taken some sort of knock at some point along the way. And you want to make sure you are going into the postseason if you are going into the postseason on a high rather than kind of limping in. And we've talked about that, um, not just with Minnesota United, but with some of the, the teams that they're playing against as well. Everybody's got the same goal. First to make the playoffs, second to host a home game. And um, so I think that people should be nervous um, because the West is just that good. And this is going to be a difficult stretch of five games to get where you want to be and you need to be if you're Minnesota United. The one positive thing moving into the Portland game, which we'll we'll focus on a little bit later on, is that Minnesota have found elements of comfort on the road this season. They've got more away victories this year than ever before. Um, so it's not as if Minnesota approach an away game like they used to. The Western Conference, as we've said several times now, extremely tight. Minnesota have been in the, the top four for the last couple of weeks. And at, at some point, Kay, it almost felt as if people had had come to the conclusion that Minnesota were going to host a playoff game. This is not how the Western Conference works. With five games remaining now, this is just not how it works. And Minnesota now, after two losses in a row, find themselves in fifth, just a point behind Nashville, um, who find themselves in fourth. And, and there was a couple of weeks ago where people were, were, were saying that maybe even Nashville won't, won't make the playoffs. Um, this is how tight the Western Conference is at the moment. Um, and, and so just to give you some some context, Austin on 51, Dallas on 46, Nashville on 45. I think it's safe to say LAFC at the top of the Western Conference are 
out of reach now for just about everybody. Mathematically, Austin could still catch them, but I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Minnesota in fifth on 44. Rail Salt Lake in sixth on 42. The Timbers, the opponents this weekend on 42 on seventh, uh, in seventh rather. Uh, LA Galaxy out completely of the playoff picture at the moment. Eighth on 39 points. Psychologically, Kay, this is not the time to crumble given how tight the Western Conference is. Yeah, and I think when you look at those standings, and I don't fault anybody for feeling like the top four was a given. I mean, not a given in the sense that you can go out there and not perform well, but the way the team had been performing, the form that the team was in, the road victories that they were getting on the road at FC Dallas, on the road to Houston, difficult places to play. You know, the the, the wins at home that they were scraping together even if they didn't play their best. They were finally scoring some goals and scoring them in bunches, locking down the defense to boot for the most part after a stretch where it had been a little bit shaky at times. So when Minnesota was in the top four for a good chunk, the middle chunk of the season, knowing that LAFC had clinched a couple of weeks ago already, and then Austin was kind of pulling away along with the LAFC and then getting a victory at home against Austin. I mean, all these things would signal that if you're a Minnesota United fan or a player or a coach, you feel pretty good about hosting a playoff game. Doesn't mean you're going to rest on your laurels and just assume that's going to happen, but you're feeling pretty good and pretty confident about the group that you have, the roster that you have, the best roster I think we've seen since being a part of this club and since going to MLS. And I think that these last two defeats are a punch in the gut, but it's not in the sense of, an alarm bell sounding. I don't think it's that. It just means, hey, let's remember what we're good at. Let's remember what got us here. Let's play with some confidence. And I asked Kamar Lawrence that on Tuesday, the player availability after the second loss and just saying like, is it as simple as confidence? And I know Will Trapp had said something to me similarly going into the Dallas game before that loss is sometimes it can be as simple as confidence and saying, being confident in knowing that you belong there, being confident in your abilities as a team, being confident in each other when you're playing the ball, when you're making the runs, when you're making the tackle, when you're pushing forward, when you're dropping that back, all those things, confidence in the group goes a long, long way. And it's amazing how that can affect the play on the field. But now is truly the moment to the big players need to, to step up. They need to shine. Um, we're not sure the health uh, availability of Emmanuel Reynoso as he came out of that last game with a knock to the ankle. We have no confirmation for sure on if he's going to be traveling to Portland and if he's going to be available. We know Fragapane is out with um, yellow card accumulation and then, of course, a red card suspension. So he misses the next two games, meaning Portland and LAFC. And then the rest just remains to be seen as far as the big players stepping up in the big moments at the right times and contributing to this team on both sides of the ball. And this is where... This is where the moxie comes in. This is where the medal is shown and the character of this group, not just the players, but the staff and the preparation going forward. So let's go back to the weekend, shall we? Again, everybody came into this game thinking that victory was was not necessarily a given, but it was almost expected, I think, because of the way that Minnesota United have played at home this season. It was obviously disappointing at Rail Salt Lake, but several of the star players for Minnesota United were, were rested in Salt Lake in preparation for this game against FC Dallas, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, I think at the end of the day, when you're not executing in that final third, and it's not for lack of chances created. Now, none of these chances, chances in my mind were, at least in the first half, were like barn burners where, you know, 
the the goalkeepers making diving saves you're peppering the you can look at the the possession at the halftime and Dallas had the better of the the possession but the the transitional moments that Minnesota United was creating the long balls and where they were trying to find um Honglani on the back line and he just had a couple poor touches he just wasn't sharp he was a little bit off Reynoso trying to get on the end of things trying to create it just felt like everything in that first half was just a little bit off. And I said going into the game to you off air that I thought it was going to be like a 3-2 kind of a victory for Minnesota United. I felt like there were goals in this game for both teams, looking at the attack and the way the attack has been playing and the way that Reynoso had been rested. Fragapane didn't play against Salt Lake, even though he was on the trip. I felt like this was a moment in front of this crowd and this fan base at this time in the season, knowing what this game meant that it was going to be goal scoring from both sides. And then you've got Ferreira, you've got Ariola, and, you know, company legit. We could go down the line with Velasco, with um, with FC Dallas. I felt like there were goals in this game. But uh, when the, the first half went on and nobody scored for Minnesota, I wondered and I started to worry a little bit if, if this was going to be some momentum for Dallas in that second half. Minnesota comes out having a couple chances in the second half, can't capitalize. And sure enough, Dallas in that transition game on the road, you know, forced the defense into precarious positions. Michael Boxel getting an own goal. I mean, he raised his hand after the game and, and during it, saying my bad on, on a couple of these goals. But that's what good teams do when they put you in precarious positions defensively where you're tracking back to your own goal. You're chasing the game a little bit because you're at home and you know you should be getting the points and the goals. And it, it goes to an own goal, you know, a, a miscommunication maybe on, on one of the headers. Um, if defensively for uh, Ferrer when he scored, I never drew up three goals in what was it seven minutes. I never thought that was going to happen. But at the end of the day, when you don't capitalize on your moments and you give good teams an opportunity to get some momentum, that's what happened. And Minnesota didn't capitalize on their transition moments, and Dallas did. And as the game went on, um, and Reynoso got injured, and then you had a couple players playing on yellows to begin with, so that's always a tricky, tricky thing. But formationally, tactically. I felt like it was a great setup to be successful for Minnesota United on this, on that day. And they just weren't, and they didn't finish. And uh, the wheels fell off in the three goals. So it was the, that's that from a mental, emotional standpoint is tough to recover from when you allow that many goals in that short amount of time, especially at home. And that's the worry moving forward, isn't it? Now the, the mental state of, of several of the players moving forward into the final five games of the season. Um, because I certainly felt okay. So it, it wasn't necessarily that bad of a performance against FC Dallas. And um, it was just those three goals that came after each other in very quick succession. And all of a sudden, unsurprisingly, it deflated Minnesota United. The first one's unfortunate. As you say, Michael Boxall has to make the play because if he doesn't, Jesus Ferreira will tuck it in, no problem at all. The question is, should the ball have come across in the first place? But there's an element of, of misfortune there. And also in the, in the second goal as well, because DJ Taylor slips at the vital moment, leaving Velasco that half a yard that he needed to curve it around the on-charging centre-half and indeed Dane St. Clair. And the third goal is is poor defending. And again, I'm not entirely sure the ball should come across necessarily, but Ferreira gets across the centre-half and, and heads past St. Clair. And, and there they were three poor goals to concede. Minnesota, for, for years, have been praised from a defensive point of view. Um, defensively, that wasn't their best afternoon, and they know it as well. But psychologically, Kay, that is now the worry moving into the next five games because, as we said, we've said several times, it wasn't necessarily a bad performance. It just looked as if Minnesota United were deflated, particularly after the second goal. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, Adrian, he said that on Tuesday as well. He said, I didn't think we deserved to take anything from the Salt Lake game, but we absolutely did not deserve the result we got against Dallas. And to your point, when you go back and watch the tape and you rewatch the game, it really didn't feel like a poor performance from Minnesota United. And, and going back to the tactical formation and the thought process and how they wanted to set up and who they wanted to shut down for Dallas and how they wanted to minimize the chances that were created by a player like Ariola and and a player like Ferreira, and even, you know, we talk about Lejet coming through and and kind of the movement and the fluidity of that front four and trying to keep track of the runners. Um, I thought that tactically everything was exactly as they wanted it to be, and then they found Bongi on the break. They found Fragapane in those, in those spots on the pitch on the left-hand side or when he tucks in, same with Emmanuel Reynoso and, and trying to get Luis Amaria involved as much as possible. But at the end of the day, this league, the, the players are too good, the teams are too good that if you don't capitalize on those chances – you're going to be disappointed in the end. And I do agree that it was the way the goals were scored and the quick succession in which they were scored in. I mean, I'm looking at the time here. The, the third goal was scored in the 58th minute. So it's not like there isn't time to get something back from that. And you're pushing everyone on. You're, you're getting numbers forward. Fragapane gets the red in the 69th. That again changes the game, right? You're down a man now. You were already pushing forward, leaving yourself vulnerable at the back. Some substitutions were made, you know, rightfully so by Adrian Heath, putting Mender Garcia up top, trying to use his pace, kind of stretch that back line. Um, but I do think that when, when A, you allow three goals in quick succession and not great goals, and then B, you get a red card, you know, 10 minutes later and you're a man down as you were already pushing on and chasing the game, that's a recipe for mentally not to be able to climb out of that hole. That's nearly impossible um, to climb out of that hole three nil down a man down and, you know, all of the above at that point in time. So, you know, sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone with Debassi going out with an injury. And of course they've allowed the three goals in back-to-back games since he's been out. And I'm not saying Brent Coleman is the problem. That's not what I'm saying, but there is a continuity, a comfort level, a confidence, a chemistry that you have on the back line. And particularly with your two center backs, that doesn't mean Michael Boxall hasn't played time with Brent Coleman. That doesn't mean that, you know, the players in front, Will Trap and others haven't played with Brent Coleman. But there is just something to be said when you have a solidity in the back line, in particular in the center backs, of understanding where, who needs to be where, the accountability, who's stepping, who's dropping, who's sliding, who's looking over their shoulder. Even the communication styles can just be different. So I think Debassi is, is a big miss at this moment. And Adrian Heath will tell you, focus on what you have rather than what you don't going forward. And that's what they'll need to do. But at the end of the day, it's hard not to look at the fact that you're missing your one of your stalwarts in the center back role the last two games that you've allowed three goals and lost 3-0. So let's focus then on what's ahead for Minnesota United, shall we? As we mentioned, away at Portland Timbers this coming Saturday before a home game against LAFC, a tricky task away at Sporting Kansas City the following weekend before they go to San Jose Earthquakes and host Vancouver Whitecaps on decision day. These are not easy fixtures in the last five games, Kate. Um, they can all be identified in various different ways. Um, I, I think tricky away at Kansas City is probably the best way to describe that. Um, home to LAFC on the Tuesday. At the moment, it looks as if LAFC have picked themselves up. I, I know they went on a bit of a, uh, a slide, uh, but a victory for them over uh, the last couple of days has given them hope and has, has rekindled um, a season that they're hoping will result in them claiming the supporters' shields. Um, but Portland Timbers, it, it seemed as though for some time they were certain to, to miss out on the postseason for the first time in some time. 
But now you look at them coming off the back of three MLS wins in a row for the first time this year. They've lost just two of their last 15 in Major League Soccer. They are hitting stride at precisely the right time. Why and how is that the case? Well, I think their goal scorers are scoring goals, which we all know is incredibly important. He's go to having the year I think they've expected to, to have for a couple seasons now. I don't think they're as reliant on Sebastian Blanco as they maybe have been in the past. And um, I, of course, he suffered the season ending injury. What was that? 2020 um, MLS's back tournament and all that. But and then it took him a little while in 2021 to kind of get back on this in the swing of things. But I think ultimately he changes the game when he's on the field. But sometimes when you have a star player, you can also be a little bit too reliant on that player. And the last year and a half has taught them how to play without him. I think Nijgoda is a huge piece of that. He's a different dynamic attacking forward. will get on the end of just about every cross, find those little pockets of space off the back shoulder. And then you have a player like Jimmy Chara, who's just found a way to complement the rest of the players. And the second he came into this league, you could sense his quality, his pace, his athleticism. And but then as the league has gone on and seasons have gone on with him in there, he reads the game a particular way. He makes the right runs at the right time. He's very different than Diego Chara in my mind and and how he holds down the six, the center midfield. And I think also, and and again, not to simplify, but when you have confidence, because they have not had a great season. I mean, there have been stretches of this year where I think even Savarisi, the head coach, has been scratching his head trying to figure out what what's gone wrong what what has changed since last year what am i missing here what kind of um what do i need to do with the tinkering uh, of the lineup and the roster and then you have a player like Diron Espria who is just a force to be reckoned with i mean from an attacking perspective he'll get inside the box he'll cause problems i think in the last game against atlanta he shifted to an outside back i mean he's kind of this weird wonky aggressive uh player that will um test your midfield and test your back line and it was just, a, it's just a combination of things for me. And the fact that they've won three straight after they, I think got thumped by Kansas city was the last loss before that they lost to Kansas city four to one. And then they lost prior to that three to one to Toronto. And prior to that, they had a couple draws. So their season has been very inconsistent. Are they rounding into form at the right time? Kind of looks like it, you know, and, and sometimes you can't put your finger on a specific player or a specific game that has changed that. But Giovanni Savarisi has this team believing, clicking, you know, any adjective that you want to talk about um, for them to be successful at this point in the season. Can they make it four MLS wins in a row? That's that's a tough task. But when you're at home at Providence Park, um, they have all the confidence of the world with that fan base there. And it's supposed to be blazing hot, like 95 on that turf. I was talking to Stuart Kerr, the goalkeeping coach, about it today at training, saying, you ready for 95? And he's like, yeah, I'm not on that turf. So um, they're they're gonna Minnesota's gonna have to bring their best game and be really motivated um, to get something from this because this is not going to be an easy one. And with a win, Portland Timbers, who are not having a good season, as we've said, it's been inconsistent up until recent, could leapfrog Minnesota United and could potentially, um, given how the result goes uh, on Saturday, they could find themselves in the top four. Um, Minnesota United with victory could move in to third. Um, there's an indication of how tight the Western Conference is this year. Okay, then we'll take a short break here on the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Next up, we'll hear from the head coach of the Portland Timbers, Giovanni Savarisi. <laughs> 
When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. A very warm welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alana Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams here alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin. Extremely special guest joining us now on the podcast, Kendra, the head coach of Portland Timbers, Giovanni Savarisi. Thanks so much for joining us, coach. How are you? Very good. My pleasure uh, to talk to you and uh, to connect. It, it's wonderful to have you. Um, and look, before we dive into the deep parts of the game and, and get into to things uh, over the course of the next 15 minutes or so. Um, talk to me about the, the season for Portland Timbers, because I think it's safe to say the start of the campaign wasn't what you and the franchise were hoping for. But over the course of the last 15 games, it's just two defeats. And now you're coming off the back of three wins for the first time all season. It's safe to say you're hitting stride at the right time. I will say yes, a, a difficult start. Uh, we knew um, we had injuries. We had a transition uh, of some players not being coming back, um, and uh, we had ups and downs. Um, a strange season because uh, it's not that we lost too many matches. It's more about how many ties we we have had, and uh, and that has been a little bit strange because it, it hasn't been a typical season for us. But as you mentioned, um, I believe that uh, the, the few uh, games that uh, we have played lately, you know, the last probably, as you mentioned, 15 matches, uh, we've been strong. Yes, we lost two out of those uh, 15 matches. Uh, but I think uh, the team has come with a different mentality. We've been stronger, more competitive. And I think these past three games, uh, I think we, we have done very well to put ourselves in, in, a, you know, in, in good competition. Is there anything in particular, Coach, that you can put your finger on at this point? Or is it just everything clicking? You finally get guys together playing on the same page. I know Eric Williamson talked to the media earlier today, and he kind of felt like everyone was finding their groove. Yeah, I think it's a combination of uh, players recovering from injury and, and at the same time, uh, everybody feeling that we're getting stronger and the mentality changes. And and once the mentality changes and, and, and everyone's uh, believe that, uh, you know, we can we can uh, step a notch in, in, in being more competitive, uh, things just work out in a better way. And then we'll continue to do our job to prepare very well to every game. Uh, Gio, it feels as though we're getting the first real glimpse of Yaroslav Niez Golder. We, we know why you brought him in. It was to score goals. And now he's doing exactly that. What What is the change with him over the course of the last year or so? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, strikers are all different uh, and we all think the same. I used to be a striker. So you have in your mind always, you know, is the goal. Is the goal is the most important thing. Uh, and uh, and I think, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the way of Nies Goda, Nies Goda is a, 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 you know, very technical player. He's a clinical player. He can finish things in a very clean way, uh, but also he needs to feel right. He needs to feel... Uh, physically in the right, you know, situation. And uh, we have seen him, you know, feeling uh, much better than he has in, in the past. So 
um, when he's in that stage, he can be very clinical. When you look at your team defensively, what do you like the most about the three in the back when you played that way? What do you like the most about that? And what does that give you guys um, defensively and going forward? Yeah, I think uh, for us, of course, uh, it, it's been a season in which we we uh, feel that we could have done better better in not allow, you know, I, I think a little bit more goals than we feel that we should have. Uh, but I believe that uh, when the mentality is right, you can play with four, you can play with three, uh, and, uh, and and you can feel stronger. You know, in particular in these past three matches that we played with three, we felt uh, that uh, the three players that uh, have been playing those positions have been very solid, uh, very pragmatic in, in our approach, in the way we wanted to do, to, to do things. And we continue to evolve. You know, we, we know that we can play with four, we, we know we can play with three, and I think that uh, always makes a team be stronger when you have versatility. Gio, the one player that has stood out to me over the course of the last two years has been Dairon Ospria. Uh, he, at times, has been near unplayable. I believe it's 19 goals, or 17 goals, I beg your pardon, uh, in Major League Soccer over the course of, of two years. What's been the main difference with him over the course of the last two campaigns? I know that I sound like a record uh, when I say mentality, you know, <laughs> but it's reality. Uh, the, 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 the most important thing, because he has uh, all the attributes. I mean, he, if you watch him, uh, basically he can run the whole game. Uh, he can be a nightmare for defenders. He can shoot from outside. He can dribble. Uh, he wins, uh, you know, head balls. And then all of a sudden you, you can put him as a winger or as a fullback, a wingback. He can be, you know, versatile and, and play different positions. So uh, once uh, I think he came back into uh, the right mentality again this year and more like the, the player that we saw last year, uh, then he started contributing again the way we know he can. And he's been very effective, very strong for us uh, back again this season towards the last part of the season that I think is, you know, he's been able to give us what we needed. Everybody always talks about Sebastian Blanco when you think of the Portland Timbers now, just like everyone talked about Diego Valeri before. What makes Sebastian Blanco so special? And can you explain to people kind of how you see him fit into this team? Because he's not like a true number 10 where he sits underneath. He kind of likes those wide areas. How do you see him and what is so integral, um, you know, for him about your team? Yeah, I mean, uh, every team uh, needs to have that player that brings the heart. And, uh, and that, you know, through him, you know, everything kind of, you know, passes through in order to make sure that uh, the team uh, plays in a higher level. Uh, you have Reynoso, uh, who's an exceptional, you know, football player. And, uh, you know, and Blanco can step on the field and be able to be that player that can raise the level of everybody else, pushing them to a different level besides the fact that, he contributes on his own with goals, with, uh, with you know, his quality as well. But it's the effect that he does on others that is the, the special part of those players like, you know, Sebastian Blanco, Valeri, uh, and in your case, Reynoso as well. Gio, talk to us then about Minnesota United. What have you made of their campaign? I mean, we have to say that Minnesota, you know, and I, I know Minnesota very well. We have uh, we played uh, since the... Uh, you know, uh, we we were with the Cosmos, so I've been going there for uh, many many years, um, and, uh, and and the, the team is very competitive, uh, very competitive. Uh, Adrian's done a good job to bring quality players 
that can help, that can be, uh, you know, very specific for the, the way that he wants to play. And I know that uh, any team that's going to play in Minnesota, they know that uh, it's going to be a very, very competitive match. And, and regardless to the fact that they could have lost the last two games, uh, you know, or if they were coming from uh, undefeated games, we know regardless, you know, it's always going to be a competitive match. You and Adrian Heath are both pretty passionate um, on the sidelines. You both have the energy um, that, you know, you want to be out there still on the pitch playing yourselves. How do you get that energy into your team? And is that even a focal point for you as, as a coach? Definitely. I think uh, one of the things that Adrian does, uh, you know, because I see him, you know, we, we, we're passionate for this game. We love this game. We play this game. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to make sure that the players understand uh, the importance of when you step on the field, you got to give everything that you have. So we, we try to keep it positive. We try to keep it very, very energetic. Uh, and we try to give everything that we can to make sure that the players feel our passion and, and they can transmit it in, in, into the field. Um, and, and, and with that, I think that, you know, the team can become more competitive. The last time these two teams met, it was chaos. A 4-4 draw between... Minnesota United and Portland Timbers, for those that need a reminder. Gio, what can you take from that game? What did you learn from that game and take it into this game on Saturday? First of all, I think it was a tremendous game for the fans, but not for the coaches. Uh, it was a very difficult game, uh, very open in so many ways. Um, and uh, I, I just think that uh, every game that uh, we play against Minnesota, uh, these games are completely different. You run from the other. The only thing that is steady is that uh, it has everything that it needs in order to make it very interesting. So, uh, you know, I think that has been a constant. And, uh, you know, I can go, you know, far back to since I, I've been with the Portland Timbers playing against Minnesota from the first victory that was my victory in 2018 uh, when we won 3-2 uh, to, you know, the 4-4. Every game is always a, a new game and, and, and they're all very exciting and, and very competitive. When you look at your roster this year um, and Ivicic stepping in in goal, what has he been for you guys this season? The proof that uh, when you believe in one goalkeeper and you give them the trust, uh, they can grow to be, uh, you know, what you're hopeful. And, uh, and I think Alio is shown to be a, a very good goalkeeper with a lot of quality, uh, the goalkeeper that we can trust um, once Clark left. And, uh, and, and, and I really believe that uh, we haven't seen the full potential of uh, Alio yet. Uh, he still has more to give, more to grow. And uh, what we have seen so far has been very exciting. Gio, what do you make of the goalkeeping situation at Minnesota United? Because they've got two first-choice goalkeepers at the moment. And yet Dane St. Clair, for very good reason, continues to be preferred. Yeah, I mean, uh, two very good goalkeepers. It's difficult always for the coaches. out there. The same problem with David Bingham here, uh, who's a very good goalkeeper as well. It's not easy. Adrian has to manage, you know, two goalkeepers. St. Clair's done well. He's young. Uh, he's upcoming. Uh, we saw him in the All-Star game as well, you know, being a, a mature uh, player and the contribution that he put in, in that match. So uh, coaches have to make decisions. But when you have options, it makes it always better. When you look at this Western Conference and kind of how it's shaping up, even though it's coming down to the wire once again with LAFC, the only team that's clinched thus far, what do, does anything about you about the season surprise you anymore in this league and, and specifically about the Western Conference? 
No, the Western Conference being very competitive, you know, and uh, we know that uh, every year when we start, we know we need to be our best. We need to be ready. We need to make sure that uh, we're strong. And uh, and it's always the same. It's always uh, difficult, you know, sometimes like, you know, last year LAFC wasn't in the level that he's been this year. Um, so uh, the credit to them in the way they have gone. Uh, teams like Dallas, um, now they have uh, gone to the top. Um, but the reality is that it is always very competitive. doesn't matter who you play against, uh, if you can be on top of the, of the bottom, but you know that you're going to have always a handful to manage and, and a difficult game to play. Gio, last question for you then. Um, given the current climate of the Western Conference and given the run of form that Portland Timbers find themselves in at the moment, um, what would you classify as a good season for Portland Timbers this year? Interesting question. Um, I think right now the most important thing for us is to concentrate in uh, getting into the playoff. And then once we get into the playoff is one game at a time to go as far as we can go. Uh, I don't like to assess a season when it's not over yet uh, because uh, I believe, uh, like last year, for example, uh, we made the final. So, in uh, our start was in phenomenal. So, I think at the end of the season, when things finish, then we can assess how was the season, what we need to improve, uh, what we got out of it, and then plan for the final year. Good answer. Answered like a true football manager. Uh, Gio, really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, all eyes, of course, then focus on Saturday evening. Minnesota United away at Portland Timbers. My thanks to Kindred D. St. Aubin, our very special guest, Giovanni Savaresi. You've been listening to the Sound of the Loose podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics.